I am not one of your fans! Who do you think you're talking to? Welcome to Line Noise, a podcast about electronic music. I'm Philip Sherburn. And I'm Ben Cardew. And uh, today we have uh, a couple of very special guests. Um, we're starting talking to um, Jay Lynn, who's, I think, one of the most interesting electronic music producers to emerge uh, in the last few years. And uh, sat next to her, we're in fact in her house, is um, Zora Jones, whose music we've talked about before, um, we've played, and we're uh, big fans of. So thank you very much, both for coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hi. Thanks for having us. Ple- pleasure. Well, it's your house. So, <laughs> so um, Jelian, you're here on a tour of, of Europe. Um, right. how's, how's it been going? It's been going good. Um, as you can hear, my voice is a little <laughs> crazy, but it's been going good. Like, all the time, anytime, anytime I'm working, um, you know, shows are, they are what they are. And you, I just, I love what I do. So it's like, it's, it's, even when it's a bad day, it's still always a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. And you played Barcelona, you played Lapsus Festival um, on Saturday night. How yes. was it? Oh my God, crazy. Like, I, I haven't felt that much energy in the room in a long time. Like, it was really, like, everybody seemed to really be enjoying themselves. I was enjoying myself playing as well. So I think it went really well. It's really interesting you say that because I get the sense, uh, and Zora, maybe you can speak to this, but I get the sense that there's not a lot of opportunities to hear music like that here in Barcelona. Would you say that's true? Uh, absolutely, yeah, I think so. And I don't know, really know why. It's, um, I guess the scene's been kind of stagnant in the last years, uh, sadly, but it's great when people like Lapsus bring Jalen something, you see the crowd go wild like that. Like I have a video of actually the end of your set where everybody where the lights went on and everybody just screamed for one minute straight and it was just like whistling and like crazy. That was awesome. That was such a cool feeling to see that in Barcelona too. That was that was really dope. <laughs> How did you feel about playing in an art gallery? Did did you know or was it just Um No, I knew I was playing in an art gallery. I felt very at home. Yeah. Um and don't get me wrong, I I enjoy clubs, but I really enjoy art spaces probably more. I love art spaces because it's just like you get the, there's a different feel. It really is, and then you and also usually your audience is also more open to things, which helps a lot. <clears throat> helps a lot. So did you did you change what you did much because you were playing um, in an art gallery, not rather than a club or no, I didn't change anything. That's what, you know, I think it's so important to be your performance, to be true to itself. And, you know, you don't try to, it's, it's good when, when, in, when a crowd likes your music, but I don't create to necessarily please a crowd right. or to perform to please the crowd. So no, I didn't change anything. And I was going to ask, um, why did you decide to play live rather than DJing? Do you DJ as well? Or? Well, no, yeah, no, actually, yeah, what I was doing, <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you, my show was more so, I, that was actually a deck I was playing on, but there, I, I wasn't using the deck part of the, uh, at all, I was actually literally, like, fading in with the top, with, the, with my knobs, <laughs> so, like, it was funny, because a lot of people, um, it, 
because I it's like they're, they're like if you would be like I hear so much like you would do great with like like able to push or something like that and so they're like you should just you know switch into playing live and I've definitely considered it and yeah but like I I enjoy it a lot more I think especially when I can touch the hardware right. while I, it's just it's a different it's a totally different feel really I hands love on witness hands on oh yeah I want to because you um you look like you were really enjoying yourself on stage. You said you really enjoyed it. Yeah, I did. Um, and I read um, somewhere you said that when you when you make music, um, mm-hmm. it comes from quite a, a dark place. You know, right. you, don't, you don't make music when you're happy. It's kind of when there are other emotions. Yeah, I think like and what I what I meant by that was like I have to a lot of times. Usually, I explain it in such a way. What I mean by that is. Because when you look at the word just dark by itself, it always comes with a negative connotation anyway. But when you have to, like when I say dark, the most beautiful things come from dark places and from the stars to a diamond, you know, and which is kind of what my album cover represents, that smoldering piece of coal that's being put under pressure that transforms into this diamond. And that's the way I feel I feel with when it comes to me creating from a dark place. I wanted to maybe take a step back and and ask a little bit about how you got into producing and making music and and also like I'm really curious how you see your relationship with with footwork generally speaking because mm-hmm. I, I know that I mean you are in some sense a footwork producer and yet mm-hmm. I hear I mean maybe that's primarily for tempo I guess I mean I, I guess I, I hear your music as being so much on its own and its very own thing and I was I was I guess curious how you kind of arrived at the music that you make well it took my whole life for me to do it and it also took a lot of being vulnerable to do it and not being complacent to do it it took um like I started at the end of 2007 and to creating and I started off I remember like I had a friend introduce me to FL studio and so he was like, yo, I think you should try this out because I've always, I love footwork music. And he's like, yo, I think you should try this out and see if you like it. And I said, okay. And so I tried it out and I ended up, you know, I was like, well, the first week I had FL Studio, I didn't know how to make a sound with it because I didn't know how to, nothing about it. So finally, when I started, you know, I kind of started watching tutorials and everything. I um, had hit up Rashad. And I, you know, I said, you know, I just said, Rashad, when you get a chance, it's just a couple of questions I want to ask you about producing. Could you hit me back? He hit me back instantly and sent me his number. He said, call me now. And I called him and we ended up talking for like three and a half hours. And he told me, he said, listen, um, I was telling Zora this last night. I said, he told me, he was like, listen, all that music equipment that people have, he said, that doesn't make the producer. That he said, the producer makes that equipment. He said, so you don't need to go out and buy a whole bunch of stuff. He said, this is what you need. Get you some basic monitors. Get you. Um, he said, you don't even need an interface yet. He says, like, get you some basic monitors and start off like that. He said, because you want to familiarize yourself with your sound. And so that's how it started. And like um, Rashad kind of put me on to, you know, the start of me getting in tune with myself. And then around 2009, 2010, when I started becoming better at what I was doing, um, I, w- I had sampled a, the, a Tina Marie Portuguese Love in a track. 
And I remember asking my mom to come in my room and listen to it. And I said, how did it sound? She said, it sounds good, but what do you sound like? And that's what changed everything. Right after she, right after that, I had done that, Erotic Heat came out. And that's what, Erotic Heat was the start of everything that changed me. Not only, it was, I would have to say it was less musical and more knowing, me knowing myself learning who I was and accepting myself for who I am and being honest with myself it was more that's which is why I think a lot of times my music goes it veers in so many different directions because it's it's, I'm really being vulnerable in front of my audience yeah can you and maybe this is a hard thing to to even describe because making music is such an intuitive process and it's it's often hard to like really explain what's happening right. in your head or, you know, between your fingers and the keyboard. But right. when your mom said that to you, can you kind of remember this, like the steps you took when you, when you're like, yeah, you're right. This does sound like somebody else. I want to make my music. Do you remember what, you know, how, how you sort of changed course and what I, led you to your sound? Yeah. I changed course because I said, when she asked me that question at the very second she asked me, I knew exactly what she was, what she meant. And that meant that I had to go into a place. Now, that's what I meant when I say go into a dark place, which means now I have to go into a place that makes me uncomfortable, and I have to exert that out. And that's what that is. Um, it's, it's, it's no, when, you, when, in, when you're complacent in your production, it makes, you know, it's, it kind of, it's not really, to me, I mean, it's cool sometimes but when it when work is isn't honest it's hard to relay that to the audience you know or to they feel it you know especially if if you if you feel your work you know you're at your you know you're 100 percent you're giving it your all every time or a thousand percent you know your audience feels that and that was the the steps the steps I took were I had to tell myself you have to face yourself that was step one. You have to face yourself. And it was let, all of this was less music related. And it was more about me getting to know myself as a, you know, getting to know myself as a person. Yeah. Uh, back in the, the early days when you stir, first started out making music, I mean, for, especially in, over here in Europe, I mean, footwork only began to kind of we only became aware of footwork around what, what year was bangs and works? Was that like 2010? That was so? 2010. I actually came up with that name. Really? Yeah. Wow. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. So how was the music like circulating around 2006, 2007? Like where were you hearing it? At the time I, you know, I was aware that like there were video, if you weren't actually from Chicago or I guess right. Gary, there were videos on YouTube. Right, right. But that was kind of the only window. That was the only window. Right, right. Where right. were you interacting with the music? And- um, I was actually, my, I started at four and um, I was at a neighbor's house and they were, my neighbor was um, doing her homework. She was older than me. And actually, it was my neighbor's cousin. She was doing her homework. She was older than me, and she had on headphones while she was doing her homework. And I heard that sound, and I'm like, man, I got to know what that is. And I remember asking her, can I listen? And that was the first time I had heard footwork. That was the first time I had been introduced to it. And I don't know. I don't remember who it was, uh, whose song it was at the time, but I remember um, it was back in the day when they, when they were, those were on colored tapes. And so 
that was like so that was like that's like going way back and so yeah i remember that specifically and i never forgot that sound then i was reintroduced to it again at 15 years old when i was in high school we were going to do a talent show a dance routine and we were going to do actually do a footwork routine and i was like oh my god like i I, it was it was just it was this familiar feeling that i felt when i was four and i was and i just at 15 after 15 i never let it go and and then I literally went from that was all I would listen to was footwork music, and so at that point, um, like DJ, it was DJ, it was on DJ Spins, um, his old CD called the Juke, the um, the Juke Factory, and um, but it was it's uh, just tracked by DJ Seabit uh, called Out South, and um, I I love that track like because that was actually the track that we were gonna do the footwork routine to but I love it because it always brings me back to that point every time I hear it and so um, I still even remember it's like track six on uh, Spins album and uh, like but it was just like that that was that first you know feel of where it got started yeah so you said you came up with the bangs and works title yeah what do you so you were around then i guess when when it must mike paradinas kind of came calling and researching what what was that whole kind of era like when when it started kind of breaking it was out? Ex- it was exciting unfortunately at that time i wasn't ready for the first compilation i was nowhere near ready and i remember i wanted to be on the compilation so bad and i remember asking him about uh, how does something of mine sound? And I remember um, him telling me, he said, Mike told me, Mike Paradinas told me, he, Mike Paradinas told me, he said, hey, um, I said, well, do you have any suggestions? You know, because he really wasn't feeling my stuff at that time. I said, well, do you have any suggestions? He said, well, maybe you can listen to um, DJ Rock a little bit more. And, you know, maybe you could kind of pick up some things from him. And I knew at that point, I said, no, that's not me. Rock is rocking. I'm me. And I wasn't Jalen at that time. I was actually, I was going by Gaga, but I ended up having to change my name because Lady Gaga came out, which is crazy because I actually had the name. I've had the name since I was a kid. Yeah. So I would love to tell her this story. Back off, Gaga. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, so when, and, and Mike wasn't telling me that and trying to, harm me in any way because he was really just giving me a suggestion but I knew then I said that's not the right direction to go I have to and I remember my mom telling me what asking me what do you sound like and that's where it started yeah can I ask something really nerdy sure um one thing we both noticed in your music and we we were talking about it on on Saturday night Mm -hmm. this kind of conversation we have is you use or it feels like you use a lot of triplets in your music Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is that conscious decision to do it and 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 why why do you do that um i just i guess for me i like i (laughs) for me i guess it's more so it's a matter of feel because i like the i like because i can also switch the sequence i have the you know you like after doing this i guess for a while I can you, you can switch the sequences at any time. Now you start switching, <clears throat> start switching. You know you can do just start doing different things in your head, and uh, it's just for me it's a matter of feel. Right. Yeah, but I can definitely do like four on the floor is easy too. But yeah, it's just a matter of feel. Because I find it's very it's very distinctive. 
Mm-hmm. So using triplets that much, you know, other people do use them a lot, mm-hmm. but that's something I really get out of your music, which mm-hmm. is really nice. Yeah, it's um, it's just it's a matter of feel, and um, like I have a track that's on Sound SoundCloud that is called Untitled 2016, and I it it actually has both triplets and four and four on the floor in there, all mixed together. And can you dance to it? Um, can I dance to it? Um, I'm well. I'm sure it's danceable. I'm sure footworkers would love it. <laughs> Let's take a listen to Untitled 2016 right now, and, and we'll be back in a second. tell you about this track go on then okay well one that track's not even done (laughs) yeah it's like it's like either it's like i think it's a minute 44 to be exact and it's not even done and it's not mastered and i just literally did it because i was like i got tired of looking at the same tracks on my soundcloud page i was like you know what i literally remember hitting save as on my computer saving the project and I said, you know what? I'm just going to export it and throw, just randomly was like, I'm throw it on SoundCloud. I woke up the next day and there was a review on it. And I was like, and it was so, the review was so detailed. I couldn't do anything but laugh because I'm like, I created this and I didn't even get this much out of it. Like it was crazy. And then there was another review after another review. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I actually wrote one of those reviews. Did you really? Yeah. And, and I, I, you know, at the time I remember thinking, I'm like, you know, cause I, I think I suggested it to my wow. editor and my editor was like, yeah, this is great. Let's do it. And then, and then I was in the process of writing it up. I'm like, wait a minute. It's only a minute and 44 seconds long. Right. Like, you know, I wonder if this is even actually a full track, but you know, it didn't, the way it ended, it didn't seem abrupt. I mean, it was like, you know, maybe she just wants to make it really sh- so. So we just ran with it. Yeah, <laughs> like it, you like really like, and that's I guess like for me, I just like it was funny because like I was just like that's the way I felt when I threw it on SoundCloud. I said, you know what, I'm not done, but I'm gonna just run with this because there's an actually there's actually another track on Dark Energy that is also like that, um, which I literally just found yesterday at Zora's house. I thought I lost my black diamond. That track is actually in- incomplete. Right and. It was now it's it's mastered, but it, it's it, it was incomplete because I thought I lost the file, and I found it. Me and Zora were working yesterday, and I'm like Zora, oh my god! I just I just start saying, oh my god! Zora's like Zora got scared. Yeah, Zora's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? I'm like, oh my god! I just found my black diamond tray. She's like, I needed this six months ago. Yeah, like really, because I was gonna expand on it, but then Zora's like, you know, it's cool the way it is. She's like. Just let it be. And I was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I, I was going to ask Zora something very, very briefly, because we've heard about um, how Jaylin was introduced to footwork. Um, your music has a real footwork influence. How, how, did, how did that come about? It does have a lot of footwork influence, yeah. Um, I guess uh, that fascination kind of started in around 2010 when I met Rashad. 
it's crazy actually that we have we actually have a lot of common Jalen <laughs> in a way in a weird strange way even if you're from different continents but um i i didn't know much about footwork before just a little bit i heard it before but i didn't know much about it but i played a show with him so before i researched it and i was like wow this is really cool and then um i saw rochelle and it was insane it was one of the best shows i've ever seen and he stayed in um Sinjin's house with us for for a week or so and he showed us so much music and he shared so much with us and he actually did um that was back in the day when everybody did u streams i don't know if you guys remember that <laughs> a long time but we did yeah. a u stream and he played one of the best sets i've ever i've ever heard also it's probably one of my favorite footwork sets uh joking footwork sets ever ever played it's still on youtube it's still in it's on Sinjin's youtube he actually uploaded it like a few years ago and I guess that's where my fascination with it started. It, it just clicked. I was like, this is amazing. This is sick. I can't stop listening to this, you know? And I guess that's where the influence of my music started in a way, yeah. And you said you were uh, working together last night. Oh, yeah, we were. Well, we started on a track. We started on a track. <laughs> it's really short right now. It's like two bars or something. But that's when I realized that she's an amazing producer because, like, that's what makes a good producer. If there's one thing that's wrong with it and you sit through it until it's perfect while you're working with it, that makes, like, for me, somebody who really cares about good production. Because there was, like, some little details that were bothering her and she was sitting there for, like, half an hour and this little, like, clap and was just, like, going over and over and over again. And that's where I realized, okay, this girl... That's legit. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's like a really It was producer. funny because Zora was doing the same thing. Zora's like <laughs> making up the melody for the track. And she's like, you just, you, it just, you could feel the intensity between us. And I just stopped for a moment and I say, somebody should be filming this. <laughs> like, this is history that's being made right now. Like, nobody, where are the cameras? Like, somebody should be filming this. And it was just like, we were, it was like we were, just, from the time we sat down, we were just so in tune, like, and it's just like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to pass it to you, and then you, you know, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to pass it back to you. It was just like, we were just so in tune. How did you guys get to know each other in the first place? Because I get the sense that you've been in touch for a long time. For like five years. Yeah. I think I contacted you on SoundCloud or something. Yeah. She I, I probably, I, fan, I fangirled. <laughs> very hard and I was like I love your music or something like that probably yep and we've been I remember yep like five years ago and yeah. then we just started chatting on like Google Plus or something yeah we started chatting and on Google Skyping and Skyping and whatever everything yeah <laughs> and we just <clears throat> when I heard some of Zora's music I was just like blown away cause I was just like is this really happening like am I hearing what I'm hearing and like her her last release i was just like i was so proud of like when i saw her in the fader because i know zora works so hard and it's just that's what makes a good producer a producer that works so hard and she's never you you can hear in her music she's never comfortable in one spot and i love that about her and it's just like it because it takes it is it takes such courage not to be comfortable in one spot and to be conscious about it is really an amazing thing and like I have to like applaud her because it's just like I can totally oh. relate to that so <laughs> yeah I don't even know what to say <laughs> <laughs> but like same goes back to you though I don't know your favorite producer ever I think wow. <laughs> one of my favorite producers ever yeah seriously 
So are we going to eventually, I'm, I'm going to hear your, your new collaboration, The World, I mean, rather than... Once it's presentable, I think. Yeah, right now it's really just super short. But we made another track together. Yeah. Which, yeah, we made another track together about last year, which is actually going to be on Visceral Minds 2 that we're preparing right now, that we're making the visuals for right now. So yeah, so... It's exciting. It's exciting, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. I really, anytime I see Zora, like, make any stride, it makes me so excited. Because, like, she's just, like, she's, like, this ball of energy <laughs> that just, like, and she's so sweet. So it's just, it's like this, it's just this perfect balance. And it's just, she, Zora stays, she, she's in her lane. And she's not trying to go in anybody else's lane. And I respect that so highly. And I just, like, I really, like, I have to commend you for that because it's just, it's so hard. <laughs> you got to stop. I don't even know what to do right now. Like, really, though. No. It's, I'm, like, I'm so proud of Zora. Like, you, have, you guys have no idea. <laughs> so you, you mentioned it briefly. Um, what have you both got coming up? What are you, yeah. Well, we're working on so much stuff right now. I actually... It's it's so much right now. Like every month, I'm like I have so much work. This I hope like next month I'm gonna have like a a week off or something. But then it's double as much work. So yeah, it never stops. But I really enjoy it. It's like um, we're working on a lot of new uh, fractal fantasy stuff, like web experiments and so forth, code code stuff. Um, we're preparing Minds too, which is gonna be really exciting. Which is gonna have a lot of tracks, a lot. Which is gonna be really dope. Um. The most we've been working probably recently was on Sinjin's album, which is, yeah, probably not my place to talk about it, but it's, it's, what I can say is that I think it's the best music he's ever did. It sounds so, so great. And um, we've been working very hard on that too. I've been assisting a lot and, um, yeah, collaborating and so <laughs> forth. <laughs> I'm going to pass the mic to Jaden. Yeah, what, what have you, what have you got planned? Um, well, um, Black Origami, that's going to be the name of my second album, and that'll be out in March of 17. That's actually the, f the first time of me announcing this. Ah. So, yeah, <laughs> this is, um, yeah, it'll be out in uh, March of 17, and I have that coming up. I was actually between two different titles, either um, Black Origami, The Motherboard, which is one I'll probably go with, or Black Origami, The Dark Lotus. And so... I'm just, but, but I really, I think I like the motherboard better. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, like that, that's what I have coming up in it. Like right now is just like, you know, touring and really my, my life has changed, changed so drastically because I re, you know, I quit my day job last year on the 31st of December and it's just like, I've been moving ever since. Like, so it's just like, you know, but I'm so happy to finally be intimate with like, my audience who listen to my work and appreciate my work. And um, I have to say, though, I think this is important. 
I don't consider myself a footwork artist. Right. And I think it's really going to start coming out, especially with this when the second album comes out. Um, I played some of the tracks last night that were going to be on that album, and it, it, it veers very far left of footwork. But I would definitely say, like, even... even um, I would even have to say with Dark Energy, Dark Energy has elements of footwork in it, but I wouldn't consider it a footwork album. Yeah. And normally we, we, we like to sort of end um, with, you know, a brief uh, excerpt of your music. Um, I was going to ask, Zora, what, what, what's your favourite Jalen track? Can you say? Oh, my God, that's hard to say. That's really hard to say. Sorry, I should have said that in the mic. Um... There's so many. I really love Guantanamo, actually. I really love that track. But I also love um, uh, Black Diamond. Yeah, I love that track, too. That's a sick track. I love both of them very much. And also So High, which I know that you <laughs> don't really like, but I love that track. You don't really like I it? love that track. Oh <laughs> <laughs> I cannot express to you the hatred I have for that track. <laughs> <laughs> It's because it's so funny. I've never, it started off as a joke of me just being silly in my room. And I just started working on it though. And then I'm just like, ah, yeah, ha ha, this is funny. And then um, I remember Mike going, that's got to be on the album. I'm like, are you kidding me? And we fought, we fought about this for like a good three months. And it was just like, are you serious? I'm like, you can't be serious. Out of every track that's on here, you have to have this. He's like, Please, Jayla, just it's got to be on there. And then finally, I just was like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to ask, Zora mentioned um, Guantanamo. Mm-hmm. Is, is there a sort of political edge to your music? I mean, particularly. I, that get that, I get that question a lot. And I will say that I am not one to dictate to my audience. I like the audience to draw their own conclusion, to draw their own conclusion when you listen to my work, because it's kind of like a. Who am I, if you have something in your imagination as to what something is, who am I to destroy it, even though I may have created it? If you already have this in your head, I I, I would feel terrible to to destroy it. So that I always leave, all my work is that way. I leave it open all the time. Well, thank you very much. We really appreciate it. Um, It's been great. And it was really fantastic live set on Saturday really enjoyed it yeah thank you I just oh, one more thing yeah um, I just want to say I think it, it had, I think this needs to be said um, and this goes with everything in life not just production but in everything failure is so important you have to fail yeah you really have to fail because your failure is actually more important than your success and you really it is you, you're not when people take failing wrong failing is nothing but a step towards what you're trying to do and even if other people don't see it it's okay like my mom didn't see it at first either until one day I said hey ma uh I'm going Rick Owens wants to use my music for Pitt Ferris Fashion Week and it wasn't that she didn't believe in me before then but what I meant was when sometimes a person doesn't can't see your vision but then when you you know at first but when they start seeing you're serious about a thing, you know, and they start taking it seriously with you, and that's why failure, you know, fail. It's okay. It really is. It's so important. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you both so much. This was great. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. You don't want to hurt anyone. 
Ben, you asked about uh, triplets. Uh, you asked Jaylen about her her fondness for triplets. I I noticed that you were really going crazy with the triplet action in her in her live set at Lapsus the other night. I, I love a triplet. What, Beautiful. What is it about the triplets that that excites you so? I think cause it's just a bit it's just a bit different, you know, rather than just sort of the boom tish or whatever. To actually have those those three noises in there, and I think she uses them so well. It's like really really exciting when those triplets. Um, come along and it's as she was saying about her her rhythms they're really complex but they're really danceable like when you um when you see her live i was wondering how it was going to be actually if it it would be if it would be danceable and it really was particularly those triplets i didn't notice this uh at lapsus the other night but i i remember from seeing her at unsound um i guess it was a a year and a half ago or so i remember or no i guess it was just last fall there was a shift in her set when it went from being kind of four to the floor to being a triplet oriented thing. And something I, I remember there was a moment when it kind of crossed over, you know, and she blends like two different time signatures together and, and it just being so disorienting and, and wild and, and really exhilarating kind of disorienting. Um, and you almost have to cling onto it, you know, it's like, right, just go with it. Cause if you, it's like, I remember, seeing Autica live once and the rhythms there were insane but I found that if you sort of started dancing you could you could do it you know and it was like oh this is weird but I'm sort of still just about dancing and it was a little bit like that not quite so abstract but what was your what were your impressions of the of this of her set at Lapsus I thought it was brilliant really really good really um very powerful um you know really intense experience kind of um a feeling of release, I think, um, and I thought it went down really well. I was, I was interested that that she said that it had um, been a big success because, well, as you and I know, Barcelona's not really a town that has much footwork. It's really, you know, house and techno city, um, and it was interesting to see how, you know, how well that went down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I got the sense that sense that there's definitely sort of a hunger for that sort of sound, or at least. Uh, more variety here in Barcelona and I mean I was I was happy that they could kind of create a platform for that and do you think it would work in a Barcelona club I mean I think it could you know I I mean I know that um I I forget what they're called I think it's maybe the bus that they do nights at Raz and they're more of sort of on a bass music tip I think it's more maybe stuff like trap and, and dubstep but at the same time I mean there is there there is an audience that's interested in things that aren't just four to the floor. Um, and I think, I think certainly the success of lapsus this week showed, you know, that people are, are open to that. I, I think Nietzsche could get away with it. I think it just depends on kind of how you promote it, but like maybe a Friday and Saturday night where they're just getting people like off the realm list to go clubbing might yeah. be thrown for a loop perhaps. But it was very interesting. I think that what lapsus did, I mean, there was, I don't know how many people, a couple of thousand. How many people do you know? Yeah, I don't know. It was hard to tell because the 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 two rooms they used were so were were split by, you know, like 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 500 meters, you know, I mean not not that much, but I mean there was quite a long walk. It was sort of like yeah. going from one airport terminal to the next through that pink lit tunnel, you know, yeah. that was quite disorienting. 
Um, but down in the in the hall, there were that's a, a thousand capacity room, and it was pretty full down there. Yeah, and it was interesting, you know, if if there are those kind of people that will come out um, for a festival like that, maybe they would go out for something more regularly. You know, maybe lapses should do a regular night. Exactly, maybe they should. And um, talking of which, I mean, I, I thought Lotic was very interesting. Um, who was just on um, before Jalen? Because again, it's the kind of thing you don't hear all that much um, in Barcelona. But again, I thought it was a really brilliant set. Like really, you, you've seen him before, right? I've only seen bits and pieces of his of his sets before. I saw him at Unsound. I think it was two years ago, and he was DJing. And I don't remember much about it except that it was very loud and intense, and lots of sort of like crashing percussive staccato sounds. I mean, kind of the palette that he's known for, you know. Um, the other night at Lapsus, I, I thought his set was great. It was. It seemed more controlled than what I'd heard before, but right. still quite chaotic and intense. Um, I, I enjoy watching him up there. He's He cuts quite a severe yeah. figure. He's kind of like hunched over the mixer and sort of glaring into it. And uh, I, I don't know. I, 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 was, I was really into it. I thought, strangely, um, it was quite uh fit quite well with spanish um it's kind of spanish wouldn't it? it was his first spanish date but there was uh if i'm not wrong a few things that sounded uh vaguely reggaeton-ish were they not i mean yeah that could be could be you don't remember i can't swear no. to it <laughs> <laughs> so what else what else did you see um i i mean probably my or definitely my highlight was uh donacha costello uh, who did well first in the afternoon he did a, a little workshop with his EMS synthy which is a, a, a very arcane uh, vintage analog synthesizer from the 1970s I think his his unit is from and it's shaped like a little suitcase a, a very small little suitcase it doesn't use um, a traditional keyboard it just uses knobs right. and then this weird pin matrix system that looks like I don't know if you remember that game Battleship. Oh, yes. sunk my Battleship. Yeah. yeah. So it looks like that. It's like this little grid of little pinholes, and then you have these little kind of white and green and red little pegs that you stick into them. And that matrix then determines, okay, I have this oscillator running into a filter, and so you put your pin where those two things meet on the matrix, and then I'm going to run it into a reverb, and you put another pin in. Right. And, that, and so it's, it's, it's quite complicated. But it makes very – it's capable of making very complicated sounds like matrix modulation, sort of wild, you know, LFOs into LFOs and pitch and right. blah, blah, blah. Um, Donato uses it to make very simple sounds, actually. And his um, performance, which was in an almost entirely pitch black room and everybody seated on the floor, um, he's just doing really, really, really simple drone work. Um and my understanding is he's using this synthy and then he's got um, some looping devices which are allowing him to record what he's doing and then layer it back because it's a monophonic right. unit. There's not a lot of flexibility there. And so this allows him to to build up these like really kind of spine tingling um, dissonances, you know, where you've got two tones almost in unison, but they're just sort of oscillate you know like kind of what you know these like really fine kind of bleeding motions um and it was yeah it was just completely hypnotizing and captivating i mean there were it was a pure drone concert there was there were no melodies yeah um there were no rhythms and yet at the same time it was there were 
identifiable musical events or moments, you could say. I mean, I remember one part where he gradually sort of dove down in pitch and you just had this rumble like an outboard motor you know of a boat like in the water that's just kind of like and i remember you could tell it was a spanish audience because at that point people were like woo yeah woo you know and like whistling and stuff which was also funny because for some of the very long quiet passages there were like people talking in the audience and then yeah. people shushing them and it was this kind of back and forth um and and a funny thing about the talking was something about his the frequencies he was creating i mean it was a very sort of i believe the word is acousmatic it creates these uh, these these sort of psychoacoustic effects where you feel like the sound is like in front of you and a little to the left and up in the air it's like you could reach out and touch it if that makes sense it's very yes. like yeah. deeply spatialized and somehow there were people behind me and they were chatting and a, a man who had a very low voice and but the it was like the the frequencies of the music were were kind of interrupting his voice and so it was coming into me like the sort of like this like when you have the the window of your passenger seat opening you're driving in the car and your ears are sort of like fluttering. I don't know if you know them. Yes, yeah. It was sort of, it was doing that to his voice. It was really trippy. It was really, really strange. Um, so, yeah, so he had some really magical um, frequencies going on. Did you say it was the best drone, pure drone concert you've ever seen? It's definitely the first pure drone right. concert I've seen in a while. But yeah, I mean, it was the most, it was one of the most captivating performances I've seen in, in a long time. It was really, really special. And any any other highlights for you? Um, uh Yes, CFAX Acid Crew was hilarious. Probably the exact opposite end of the spectrum from Donna Costello. I don't think they'll be collaborating anytime soon. He's um he's apparently Square Pusher's brother, which yeah, I younger brother, completely forgotten about. And it was very, very, very sort of reflex style, you know, bonkers British like acid um, in a '90s vein. He had. I think he had a 303, a 707, a 909, an SH-101, a sequencer of some sort. And that was about it. And, and it was nice because they, the people doing visuals had a camera over the stage. So you could – they were periodically showing right. – or you know, over his setup so you could see what he was doing up there. And then they were kind of cross-cutting that with really wacky sort of video game imagery – um, I assumed that they toured with him regularly because they got his vibe so much, but I guess there were a couple of Catalan guys. So, um, yeah, it was, it, but anyway, he was just like really ridiculous, fun, bouncy, acid techno. And he had this kind of wedding DJ thing going on where he'd get on the mic and, you know, kind of egg people on. And, um, and then the last two minutes he gets on the mic and he's like, Oh, two minutes left. So everybody go crazy. And it was just, so dumb and bonkers and and to be honest the kind of thing i'm not usually a fan of but it really it really worked it was great so um yeah and that's the great thing about lapses isn't it to go um from pure drones to you know someone on the mic advising us all to go crazy while like totally. 303s <laughs> are playing in the background it's 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 a great event and actually i would i have to say that somewhere in the middle of those two poles um lay powell who this was my first time of really seeing and absorbing one of his sets and i thought he was brilliant um he's he's doing this weird these lumpy rhythms that are you know very much kind of rooted in 
rave and dance music, but they're all messed up and they're like, they're, they, they, they're, I mean, they're not regular, you know, and he's, and he's kind of got these looped chants and stuff over the top and it's got a little bit of sort of rock a bit. I mean, I hate to say rockabilly because it's not, it's not like that rockabilly house act from a couple of years ago, but I mean, there's a, there's a raw rock and roll. Thank the good Lord. Lord. But there's a really raw quality to it and it's got a little bit of post-punk and it's just, and it's. Yeah, it's it's just kind of unhinged and and messy, and people were really into it. People were like, and again, they didn't look like they were like the experimental music heads. They were like, this was late at night. I think tickets had been become half priced by then, and right. I think there were a lot of people that were just there because they wanted to get their dance on. And um, yeah, it was cool. It was really really kind of uh, like it messed with your head a little bit in a really fun way. And of course, you DJ'd as well. I did as well. Yeah. Uh, how was it? It was fantastic. I had a uh, the outdoor stage from five to seven thirty um, in the afternoon. the The sun was out. Um, I got to do pretty much exactly what I wanted to do, which was uh, like I wanted to do a slightly different set than I usually play. And so I started with some sort of some drones, um, uh, some slower like one hundred BPM stuff. I broke out a bunch of older records that I haven't had a chance to play in a long time, like some some Seafeel, some Aphex Twin, an old Oni Ihun that's at like 100 BPM that I never, ever play. Um, I threw a Kate Bush track in there, which I was really happy to, to sort of get the chance to do. And then the last half of it was kind of slow, slower house stuff. But it was really fun, and the, the reaction was really nice. Uh, I put the setup on SoundCloud. If anybody wants to hear it, you can. Perfect. And also, um, you played one of my favorite tunes at the moment. Um, which I was exceptionally glad uh, to to hear. Well, you sent me that tune, Ben. How could I not play it? Well, well, exactly. Personally, he, he does requests. You just have to ask <laughs> rightly. I don't do requests. <laughs> it, 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 it's a it's a tune called. It, it's one of those fantastic tunes because uh, I was going through I was going through promos, having a listen, um, and I, uh, I I got this promo. I had no idea who it was from. Um, had lots of other things to do, sort of put it on, and it's the fourth and final track. And the first three had been okay by other artists. But on the fourth one, I was listening to it, and I suddenly thought, actually, this is really, really good. And I sort of stopped doing what I was doing. Um, I should probably say what it's called. It's by Nyork. Gnork? I, I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, and it's by, uh, it's called Chord Tool. And Nork, sorry. I was just going to say Chord Tool. It, it does what it says on the tin, as they say. Well, exactly. It, it, it's it's funny. It's, it's like such a sort of... Um, uninspiring title i suppose in a way called called tool you know for what is such a great piece of music but fair enough um and i uh, up until this i knew literally nothing about new york um and i've done a bit of research he's from budapest he makes uh spacey house um it's been called he did a mix for dummy earlier this year um and he's actually probably better known um he records his uh dj shark does drum and bass stuff for unknown huh. to the unknown. I would not have guessed that. Well, there is that one moment in Chord Tool where there's a sort of really old rave-style breakbeat. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's that tune. That's right. And I thought that worked really nicely um, out in the open air at Lapsus. Um, I, I think, in a way, what I like about what I like about the tune is it's so simple, in a way. It reminded me of, you know, those really early house tracks, acid house tracks that you listen to, and there's just nothing to them, like early Mr. Fingers, that kind of thing. But what they do, they do really, really well. 
And I think that's so hard to do in music. Well, he has really, I mean, the whatever synthesizer he's using, I mean, the sound he's using is just, it's really nice. It's really appealing. The chords he's using are really, ni- you know, it's, it's, it's just super pleasant to listen to. And it's not something that you hear all the time. You know, it's, it's original. It stands out. Exactly. I think uh, you'll be happy to hear this, Ben, because I mean, I, I loved the, the fact that you sent that to me. And, and I had it. I didn't even really know if I was going to get to play it. I mean, I had, there's so, so much stuff that I wanted to play that I didn't get around to it. And it was that point in the set that I'd actually had a little mishap because I, I sort of blanked out the screen on one of the <laughs> CDJs. And I had this Jupiter Jacks track queued up that I kind of wasn't meaning to play at all. But the other CDJ was running out right. of time. I couldn't bring the screen back to bring up my playlist. And so I was like, oh, my God, I have to make this work. So I mixed in the Jupiter Jacks, which was fine. It, it fit the mood well. And, and that then became kind of the pivot point for, for Chord Tool. And it was really fun to look out and see you see the moment of recognition on your face where you're like, wait a minute. I, I, I know I, this. <laughs> and anyway, you'll be pleased to know that I got an email from uh, – Avalon Emerson, uh, San Francisco, I believe, DJ, who's living in Berlin now, and she wanted the track ID, and she said the point of the mix it was, and I'm like, oh, that's Jupiter Jacks, and she said, no, it's the one after that, and so it was Nork Chord Tool, so ah. your request got the uh, the only track ID I've had so far, so... Oh, I'm very pleased to hear done, that, ben. and good work, Nork, York. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a listen to Gnork's Chord Tool right now. listening to at the moment uh one of the uh, brand new track that i just got sent um from midland and uh it's called blush on his own label graded and it's really simple and it's just really really nice it's a little bit slower i i haven't like counted the bpms but it's it's probably under 120 um it's melodic it's very very graceful uh it has just really nice analogish synthesizer sound it reminds me of the korg poly 800 that i had back when i was a teenager uh. um it's really understated but at the same time it's it's quite intense i i haven't heard it out in a club or anything but i can imagine that when it came on it would be kind of a moment have you heard this song i have do you know what it reminds me of what's that mountains i don't know why it really reminds me of taking a train through mountains huh yeah yeah i can see that because it and also craft work on a slightly more prosaic level. But, um, I, you know, sometimes when you're listening to you listen to a track and uh, just something comes into your mind and it was mountains. And I don't know why, because it's, you know, it's sort of a I think it's very elegant. I, maybe. That, that's exactly the word that I was about to use as well. Elegant, graceful, you know, stately. Part of it's the tempo, but part of it's the those synthesizers, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's not a, again, it's not a million miles away from the, the New York track you know kind of no. quite quite simple melodic slow emotional uh elegant yeah and the kind of thing i think that also stands out um that would stand out in a mix or in a set yeah yeah i i, I mean i like midland a lot but this is the i think maybe my favorite thing of his it's just the this it's i don't know it really grabbed me on on first listen and I've, i keep going back to it i was listening to it 
when I was walking down uh, to our meeting today, and, and it just it works really nicely on headphones, too. Funnily enough, I was listening to it walking uh, over to see you play at Lapsus. So there we go. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> We're all blushing. Uh, let's listen to Midland's Blush. What else are you listening to this week? Well, I had one of those really pleasant experiences again when you um, you hear a mix and um, it's by someone you don't know particularly well. It's um, in this case the resident advisor mix that uh, Soishi Terada yeah. did, um, the producer DJ best known from Sound from the Far East. Um, and I didn't really know him particularly, and the mix is brilliant. I absolutely love it. It's kind of I know you include it in your best mixes. It feels a lot like kind of New York house, late early, late 90s New York house, but with just a bit different. You know, there's yeah. something kind of... I've never been to Japan, but I mean, I, I kind of it kind of feels like it has that Japanese edge to me. The whole mix is just, is just great. I really love it. But the absolute highlight for me um, is a song called uh, Machi Bokeh. Apologies for the pronunciation, really. Um, who's by, uh, it's by a man called Shinichiro Yokota. Um, and it's about 42 minutes in. And I know that very well because I keep on you know, right. going back to 42 <laughs> minutes to listen to it. Um, and um, the only information you will find about it, because, well, certainly when I looked for it, is that it's on this mix. So um, I knew absolutely nothing about it. And I look back, Shinichiro Yokota is is a Japanese producer who's been at it for years. His first releases um, were in 1991-92. Then there's a massive gap until he comes back to 2014. Um, and he works with Soishi, Soishi Terada as well. He sort of says he's like a, a, a mentor. Um, and there's a number of his uh, tracks in this mix. But this, for me, is the absolute standout. And it's it's such a great track. It's It's got a, a sort of a vocal sample that I want to say comes from Japanese classical music. I don't, I don't know, but that's kind of how it, how it sounds. And underneath that, it's a really like bouncy house track. It's weird, like kind of, it, it sounds a bit video gamey, a bit Todd Edwardsy, with this really elegant sample over the top. It's a lovely combination of, of, of sort of beauty and stately elegance and just being a little bit fun, you know, or silly, if you like, underneath it. I feel like for... For for us in the West, the the next great reissue frontier is going to be Japanese music because there's so much amazing Japanese electronic music that we don't know anything about, you know, that just hasn't been heard, or at least that's my sense. I mean, there was that Mariah record that got reissued earlier this year that was really, you know, just amazing kind of Japanese Balearic weirdo pop stuff. And... and you you see things there there's some blogs i follow that are posting a lot of sort of japanese electronic new age things and all of them are brand new names to me and all of it's amazing and i feel like it's got to be the tip of the iceberg you know you, you again like with the sounds from the far east comp you feel like there just must be so much waiting to be uh kind of collected and 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 reissued and i went into i fell into an absolute sort of 
black hole of this you know you know how one thing leads to another and i found um he's also got a mix that he did for roof.fm which is really good as well um and he's got a lot of tracks on soundcloud but they've got like 100 listens 200 listens that kind of thing and a lot of his stuff i've got to say and i say this in the best possible way sounds like the theme tune to the fresh prince of bel-air you know that kind of and i really really do say that in a good way you know that sort of early 90s funk hip-hop slightly housey edge that kind of thing and it's it's great and the good news um because i thought i'm, I'm gonna get in contact with this man i'm gonna i'm gonna tell him how much i like this song and he said it's getting a release so he got back Fantastic. and said, uh, it's getting a release soon. On what label? Uh, he didn't say. All right. Well, keep I should, I should have asked. Uh, let's take a listen to it. What else are you listening to? I just got this new... Uh, I just got a promo from an artist. I think it's a brand new artist named Forest Drive West. Um, sounds more like a street than an, than an artist name. Uh, has kind of a Detroity feel to it. Um, it's on the Liberty Sound label, which is uh, run by Peverlist. Comes out of Bristol, England, and uh, people like Peverlist and Cowton and Asusu mainly record for it. So yeah, Forest Drive West, new artist. It's really, it's a really special tune and it's also really understated. Um, it's It starts off sounding a little bit like Eftemin to me. It has right. this really shimmery digital feel, these kind of pinprick chimes in the background. Um, it's very linear. It's techno but with a staggered kick drum, kind of a broken beat um, thing. But what I really like about it is it it kind of gives you the choice of two different downbeats. Right. It has this staggered kick, and you can kind of decide which one you want to follow as the downbeat. And depending on how you latch your brain onto it or how you would mix it in the mix, it then becomes subtly different each way. And then the hi-hats are either, you know, either then the hi-hats are also on the downbeat or they're on the upbeat. And I don't know, it's just really hypnotic and really, it's my kind of like tunnel techno. You just like zoom into it. That's a few things you've mentioned um, from Bristol. Like last, last time we had ploy, I think. That's right. Yeah. um, yeah. You talked about it. Is there something going on there? Is there a... Well, I think there's always been something going on True. there. Um, but, I mean, these... You know, I don't, it's not like I follow the Bristol scene super, super closely, but I, I do always like what Hessel does. I always like what Liberty Sound does. I mean, they've always... They're both labels that have a really interesting take on techno and that nebulous thing called bass music, um, yeah. which both have sort of moved away from, in a sense. I mean, as their tempos have come down. But... Um, yeah, they. I mean, Liberty particularly has a really interesting. They're very sort of Spartan, um, spare, rhythmic, a little severe, uh, and this is this one's a little bit different to me. It sounds more fluid in a way, but uh, yeah, I, I really like it. So, should we listen to that now? Let's listen to a little bit of Forest Drive West. 
Well, Ben, I guess that's our show. Indeed it is. Um, thanks very much, Jalen, Zora Jones, um, for, well, for the interview and also for having us in our house. It was very nice. Good coffee. Oh, lovely coffee. <laughs> yeah. Um, please, uh, well, you can check us out on SoundCloud, MixCloud, iTunes, Stitcher. Um, follow us on Twitter. Even uh, send us an email, linenoisepodcast at gmail.com. Do, do please do that because no one ever sends us an email it would be, be quite nice thanks everybody bye bye bye